Welcome to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. The Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26th to 29th, on water, off water. Free tickets and information online. And for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers, with protection like no other. Here's your hosts, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures for the Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26 to 29, on water, off water. Free tickets and information online. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, mate. It's uh, grand finals over. Time to, uh, I think for many people now, to hit take the, the covers off their boat and hit the water. But we've got to be safe in doing so and... Extraordinary news yeah, during the week. During the week, a very, yeah, sad accident. Extraordinary. Saying this morning, police responded to reports of two people in the water just outside the headland past Botany. Uh, when police arrived, the uh, two male persons from a vessel were rescued. Um, and unfortunately, as we've, as we know, one of those male persons has been confirmed as deceased. Uh, early reports are that a whale may have breached near the boat or onto the boat as temperatures rise. People Extraordinary scenes in Sydney after a man has died with a whale breaching close to his boat. Mm. Now, this was Saturday morning last week. The boat found doing donuts essentially. No one in it. With no one in it. Speaks to, I mean, you know, we've spoken often about kill switches and having them attached there. How often do you ever actually drive with one on it? Well, let's be honest, you don't. Mm, you don't. It, can you remember anything like that? Yeah, so only just recently, uh, and anyway, I won't mention the gentleman's name, but there was, uh, he used to live down our neck of the woods and he's moved up north to Queensland. Oh, not super close with this, with this guy. Knew of him, spoke to him. Uh, very good he friends. He got hit by a whale. Very good friends with Lee Rayner. Good friends with Gwaine. They were travelling, now I'll make the story up a little bit as it goes, but they were heading in from fishing out of Queensland and uh, they were travelling in and quite high speeds and a whale's breached in front of them and they've <sighs> collided with this whale. And I'm, I'm only talking like a couple of months ago, Max. Really? And he has, yeah, they've serious damage. The boat is gone, uh, sunk. They These guys were very fortunate enough. They were on the other side of this. They actually got rescued. Uh, and they were 100% okay. They obviously had some incidents, facial inc- uh, facial injuries and whatnot that w- would not have been nice to have. But they are, I think, just grateful and speaking to Lee and the other guys that, uh, to be alive. I might even try and get the gentleman on the show if he's comfortable That's enough bl- to come on and talk about the incident. That's unbelievable. Uh, I think he will be. Uh, I know him enough to ask him. But uh, I'll try and get him on to come speaking about it. But I won't mention his name just in case because it's not a very nice story to hit a whale travelling from days fishing out at sea. So... Uh, they are very lucky to be alive. This other inf- unfortunate incident, the gentleman is not alive. The other one survived. The brother-in-law, I think it was, he survived. And the boat, yeah, like you said, could have done some yes. more damage of yeah killing someone else as well. So water police called to the foreshore boat ramp at Botany um, after the accident. This is at 6 a.m. Like, how unlucky do you have to be? Yeah. Because I, I know <laughs> yeah. the, over the last couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about your uh, tuna on this morning, uh, on the show this morning, an absolute spanker. Went in 191 height, yeah, fish. But I don't know how many times over the last two weeks you've sent me videos of humpbacks I posted it. absolutely launching out of the water. Posted it on my Instagram. 
during the week. I think yeah. it was last two weeks ago, whatever yes. it was. Unbelievable. Uh, do you ever get worried when you're out there? Yeah, you do. You really? Do. Yeah, 100% you do, especially this time of the year. Uh, it's it, it, the, the problem, the, whale, the fish migrate with the whales, right? Yes. And where we're fishing, the problem with whales is, and this sounds dumb, they're so big, right? But you can't see them. So they live under the water. You'd think but when they, they come could up, see you better. They can't. They don't. They, they well, clearly. Just, they, not when you're moving at speeds. Yeah, I know. Even, I get that part. No, I mean, even, when you're... even when you're trawling around slowly, they still, you think they can, I reckon they do know you're there, but whether they worry or care or take any, I guess, thoughts in yourself, they don't. Because I had one, I got a footage on my phone of one only, oh, not that long ago, that literally I was just trawling. It was coming towards me. Like, I was nowhere near this. It was coming. You moved out of the well, way. Well, I, I left the wheel, like, just to film the bait ball, like, the life of the fish. Yeah. And the whale comes up, right? Cool. Yep. How cool is that? Get on camera. Then he just yeah. tacked. He tacked. I'm sitting at 10 kilometers an hour, and two kicks of his tail is a lot faster than that. And he goes under the back corner of my boat and comes out the front right side, and his tail just misses the front of my boat. Like, it's... And they just have no... I guess, awareness or any thought in boats. And not that they need to or they have to because it's their ocean. We're, we're in it. Exactly. So back I, out. As an angler that, I guess, puts themselves at risk at times with these whales due to the fact of that you're chasing, you're chasing tuna. tuna and yeah. they, they do rock up where the tuna are. And unfortunately, half the time, you don't even know they're there. <laughs> so uh, it's just part of the package. But there, there is going to be so many more incidents on the water Unfortunately, there's going to be more deaths to come from whales. You just think because so many people are chasing the tuna? The whale numbers, I think Trapman put a post up during the week and it was something like 50,000 whales migrating up the East Coast at the moment. Like, there is so many whales migrating around. The, the numbers have come back because you got to remember that all the fleeting back in the day are whale fleet boats, right? You can't do it anymore. So, yeah, yep. you can't do it. And so, when you stop something... Numbers are going to come back. And I, I, I don't think you should kill whales. I'm not saying that in the slightest. But what I am saying is when you stop something, there's going to be numbers that grow. And this yeah. comes to the shark growth, the great whites. It comes down to everything. Everything's Speaking going to grow. great whites, did you see Trapman? Izzy, yeah. young girl out just here. Yes. Out of Western Port. Yeah, had Unbelievable. White, great white. Take her tuna. It wasn't a massive... Like the, the tuna looked bigger than the great white. Yeah. But goes down to the story that we had that people thought we were talking absolute crap, but we weren't when we took that fish out the front of Mogs that time when I was. Oh, hundred percent, that was white. Yeah, it was, had to have been a white. It was massive, unless, but we, unless, that was a big one though. Unless it was a fourteen foot um, mako. Mako, <laughs> it's the world's biggest mako. Well, I had a, so a few years ago. I was, uh, I was in my stabby craft. Dad and I were chasing the schoolies. Got a yep. got a couple that day. You were fishing Sam out of a good one in a staby. You're in a staby. You're yeah. in a twenty foot staby. Long time ago. And you you hooked onto a so there'd been schools of tuna, um, and they'd all been around the school mark. And, just and then all of a sudden clear, you hit a big one. I've that season on the same rod, I have caught hundreds and hundreds of these school tuna on these rods. Right. Yeah. Just before people say it wasn't a big one, whatnot. We knocked them over in 20 minutes, maximum 30 minutes. Yeah. I think we're over three and a half hours we were yep. fighting this fish for. And this would have been 80 plus um, Yeah, was, I got a good look at it. when it, Just when the shark, I didn't see the shark take it, but it, I saw it when it was there, then it disappeared when that shark grabbed it. But it was, yeah, it was a big fish. It was a it was yeah, proper fish. It, it was 80 yeah, plus yeah. On, a, on, on small gear. Small spin gear. Anyway, as that fish comes up, I go in close because I'm like, I'm going to get some nice photographs here. And um, <laughs> then this massive Noah and... Um, Certainly was a great white. It was, it wasn't the length of the boat, but I tell you what, it's it wasn't. Your little stave. <laughs> it wasn't. It was not far off. It's the biggest 
shark I've seen yeah. in real life before. But, no, it was um, it was a big fish. But we just need to be from sharks, and we're going to have dramas this summer as well uh, with the sharks. Now, you the amount you, of whites, you say that because you've seen so many tuna. No, it's been I'm such coming, a strong fishery. What's the, yeah, the, the the thing is that everything eats tuna. So the more these tuna keep coming and the numbers... It, this goes yeah. back to the numbers again, right? So it goes back to the whale conversation. The numbers of the tuna, so they stopped certain parts of commercial fishing. They've All wreck anglers got... Everything's under sustainability now, right? So everything's there for sustainability. What happens? The tuna numbers come back. Everything comes back. The great means the great white numbers are going to move in. The sharks are going to move in because and ever since the school tuna have come in these bigger numbers to our waterway... And the reason that I refer to our waterway is because obviously I live and breathe it every day is that these great whites are going to follow these tuna. And the numbers, you, you've seen them, the numbers mm. have been tenfold on what they used to be, what, 10 years ago. Tuna. Or even the whites. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so Sharks. tuna, yes. Yeah, whites, yeah. yes. And already, what are we now, Pat? We're in October. First couple of weeks of October, right? First week of October, whatever we're in. How many whites I've already seen registered on that Shark Watch on social media. Yeah, there's a few. New yep. South Wales coast into yep. our coast. Well, into Lanina, South Oz coast. saying it's going to be a hot summer. Well, the, but the water temp hasn't kicked in yet, but it's going to very yep. soon. But the, these sharks don't care too much about water temp. They're not a pelagic fish. They're not a kingfish. Yep. If the bait and food source is there, they'll be there. They'll be there. And already seeing these whites turn up as a diver, crapping me dax already and i've never been scared of sharks i've never ever been i've said to you on this show sharks are not a thing of thought for me yeah i'm telling you right now it's it, already i've already Nibia. seen these things going why are they here it's october like it, it, it makes you think multiple times but everyone anyway uh it's going to be an interesting season on the crayfish front of uh with, with hopefully no one gets taken by a white and i say that with uh all respect to these sharks so you dropped 130 kilo tuna during the week. What was your secret to your success? I dropped. Sorry, dropped. Well, boated. Yeah, caught. Caught. I thought you meant a drop. I didn't drop it. Don't give me that. Oh, it's like a basketball. You know, you drop 30. That's like saying drop you 40. got five goals kicked on you. You caught a 130 <laughs> kilo tuna during the week. What was the yeah. secret to your success? What lure were you using? How fast were you driving? I want it all. Took out my best mate, right? Give up. Yep. Mates for a long time, right? Yep. Never got him out there to chase a barrel. Oh, he's never got one. Never got one. Are you kidding? No, that's where the story is great because I love getting people. Isn't like you think no your best mate. It was pumped. If you want the ultimate employee and you've got good pay packet, offer this bloke money because he's the ultimate employee. I can't get him out of work to even go chase a tuna to catch yes. any time. He's the ultimate employee. He works at Geelong Marine World there, marine mechanic. And I got him out, finally got him out, local tuna. Well, the funny thing is we weren't even chasing them at the start, Pat. We were going for snapper and gummies. So what did you just have a couple of rods in there just in case? Oh, I had them all there. <laughs> you never do that. I always do it because I know that the chances... No, you don't. I knew the chances are good. I actually, Every time you and I have gone... Actually, no, I know, no we, the one time we didn't we caught is when back. we caught mine. <laughs> so this time of That's the year so when they switch around, yes. I'll always have the big rods in. But no, the plan was to go look for a snapper, snapper gummy first on that tide, yes. then come back before dark, maybe jag a tuna. And I said to Gibber on the way out... It's a sneaky tuna. It'll take you six hours to bring in. Go on. <laughs> There's a lot of white things falling out of the sky, Gib. What? There's a lot of white <laughs> things. There's a lot of birds up there. So we moved over to the tuna. I trawled lures for four hours. Oh, God. Didn't hook a fish. I dropped 100 pilchard baits in. You should have seen my sound. I'm marking fish up. 16 metres of water, Pat. 16. I was about 400 metres from land, from shore, where these fish were. All by ourselves. And then I said to Gibber... 
let's drive in. I'm over it. Let's go home. He had to be in for a dinner at six. Five twenty or something. I leave the spot and I drive back towards Barwon Heads. About to turn left to go in. What's that over there? Lots more white things falling out of Wish the sky. Go. Pull up. I said to Gibber, get ready. Drop a pill in. No lures, Pat. Drop a pill in. Really? I literally didn't have time to get to my rod at like the back what, of the like boat. Like free-weighted it down? Yeah, just he just dropped it in. Yep. I, we've already done it a lot. Drops it in, and all of a sudden, bang, he literally watched this thing take it out of the water. It was 5.39. What did you pin it through? It's, just through its eyes. Eyes. Yeah. And that's it once. Pin it through once? Through its eyes and dropped it in. Wow. Yeah, and I, was, I didn't even get a chance to put a bait on. I was walking down to the back. He goes, I'm on, I'm on. And it screams off. 5.39, he had to be at a dinner at 6, which is even better. <laughs> so it, what what drag do you have it on whilst yeah. you're feeding it down? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Unweighted. How long do you leave it for once that fish takes yep. it before you um, turn on the weight? The longer you can leave it, the better. Yes. But you don't want to go too long where they get it in their gut. So I'd say, I used to say up to that sort of 6, 7 seconds. Yep. But I'd go back a little bit less. It'd probably that 3 to 4 now for me has been very, very good hookup right in the corner of the jaw. And then slowly, how, nah, just, how just crank it bang. up. So the reason that I just don't go slowly up is I actually just crank it up now. And the reason for it is by the time that the fish turns and rolls, quite often it's like, it's just, it's, it's not going to be running at full. It's not going to take a run, right? Yep. So it's taking the bait. It's taking free line out. It looks like a lot of lines coming out, but there's no drag pressure. Yeah. So you go up on the drag. By the time that rod loads up, the fish goes, "Oh, what's that?" Plus, there's already um, movement in the mono anyway. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So yep. as soon as that happens, and then I just go up to the drag. So I go up to the button, and the boys just hold on. Ten o gamma circle corner of the jaw nails it nearly every time. They're seriously that good for these baiting. And it screamed off this fish. And, um, yeah, Gibber was fortunate enough to land it. It was 191 centimetres fork length, which is a – that's a big fish. I reckon mm, it's 100 – it was 130 – so it's 125 to 135 kilo, give or take. So it was yep. a big fish. Could have been a bit bigger, could have been smaller. But it was a really big fish. Um, and I was brought it up to, to you and you shared it with the Cats boys. Never goes to waste as usual. And uh, – yeah, it was a beautiful Mate, fish. There's, there's nothing that disappears faster than fish at the Geelong Footy Club, I'll tell you right now. <laughs> hey, before we get to the break, Ford Australia, uh, they're obviously re- releasing, have released their Ford F-150. Now, in partnership with the Thai-based engineering firm RMA Automotive, they've begun their remanufacturing to the Australian specification. So it goes from left-hand drive to right-hand drive, and that's being done in Mickleham. It takes 22 hours over three working days to remanufacture them. So they're actually a bit more Australian than you might first think. Redmond, obviously, US um, automotive giant in Ford, but 22 hours, three days in Australia, and as a part of the remanufacturing process, 500 or around 500 parts are installed or modified for the Australian sort of environment. So they'll be hitting the road soon. We're looking forward to seeing Do you know what the best part about getting your car pushed over from left to right. Go on. You get in my Ram, got pushed over. You know the little microphone that you used to talk to? Yep. It gets You get left with two of them. Well, I was... A, <laughs> so the passenger gets a microphone too. It's a really good point because there are still things that aren't changed over. So no. you still have... They're never going to be like a fully purpose-built right-hand drive no, My car. car is impractical at some times. Like the yes. volume button, the yep. volume for my... Uh, I don't have it on my... On my on my uh, steering wheel. So you got to reach over to the passenger side and in a truck, yep. you're about a metre and a half reach. So, <laughs> But the microphone is a great thing because, you know, in cars, often the driver it has it directed to them. Yes. Where the passenger actually gets their own microphone too. There you go. 
<laughs> That's all the news for the week. It's been a bit of a lot week on the uh, on the current outdoor front. You're listening to Real Adventures, massive show coming your way this morning. After the break, we've got the whip around. We'll find out what's biting right around the country. And then Steve Walker from the Boating Industry Association of Victoria joins us to ta- chat the Melbourne Boat Show. All that and more. This is Real Adventures for the Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26 to 29, on water, off water, free tickets and information online. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors for Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26th to 29th. On water, off water, free tickets and information online. And for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers with protection like no other. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is now time for the whip around for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hapgood joining this morning. As always, Redmond, we kick things off in New South Wales. Lake Illawarra, the yellowfin brim and whiting, yellowfin, fishing very, very well. They, do, uh, do you watch the league during the week? Rugby league. I did. Rugby league, one of the one of the great games. I actually did. I actually watched quite a few games through the season. I was fortunate enough to be a part of one of the Storm games with Donate Life. That was tremendous to be a part of, and it's a shocking game. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was one of the, the great game, games. It was a good game, but the sport itself—they're just—they're powerful. They're strong. They can cop and hit. But we've just lost all of New South Wales anyway, so we've got to keep going. <laughs> Before we lose any more listeners, <laughs> maybe, Lake, a of, maybe a bit of Queensland too. <laughs> Lake Illawarra, what have you got for us? Yellowfin, Brim, and Whiting. I said they've been red hot. Sandworms are working an absolute treat, so they're fishing very, very well there. What size hooks are you using there? You're going small. Yeah, I'd go size six worm hooks. Yep, yep. You can use uh, little poppers and whatnot for these guys, but I don't know. Bait fishing is always great for kids and having a bit of fun. Uh, there's been some fantastic sized snapper coming in from Bateman's Bay. Big fish. Which is amazing to see uh, that sort of size fish on the New South Wales coast. That's normally something it is reserved for the, you know, your peak Port Phillip Bay or the west at the moment, which is fishing really well for snapper, but some great sized fish. It is, and uh, plastics were working well. Micro jigs and, of course, bait too. So different, different methods working. And the plastics on the New South Wales coast, we've spoken about it being yeah. a, lot, yeah. a lot different to... Uh, Obviously down here works here, but but still the same philosophy. If, if you want to try and get them on, get them going with bait, and then once they're going, dropping down those soft plastics, yep. keeping your fish up and around the boat. If you, you and know. I'm just going to just just show you a photo here of the fish, Pat. Like they're it's just true again. There's nothing like showing no, just, me, the reason, me a photo no, and we're on so radio. The reason that I'm going to show you it is because they're just a different looking fish. So like have a just just to show you an example, like to, for people that are out there, have a look at that. Aaron, we're on radio. Seriously, is that they're a different looking fish? So what I'm saying it's is... it's got a giant knob on so, its head. Yeah, it so looks the, a bit like you, a bit of a knob head. But it's uh, basically what I'm saying is that. They're not the same fish we catch. They look so different. They're so they? different. So they, they come down from different currents, I believe, and that's why they're a different style fish. They're a warmer water fish as such. They're not that. They're not our typical snapper because we get our old knobheads. But like all these fish here, I'm looking at most a majority of these fish they're catching all have that significant knob on their head. Yeah, they so do. Yeah. what? What? Yeah. What genetics are sort of they coming from to be that fish? With all your smart-ass replies from Pat. Back to Inbred, the hacking. <laughs> the hacking is holding some really good mull away as well and kings. And we reported that a couple of weeks ago. And they are still fishing quite well in the port. So, uh, just off the top of my head, I reckon they were around the 75 centimetre mark, those yeah, kingfish. Same, still around the same up mark. 85 they were. So, yeah, yep. a bit bigger. And then the, the, the mull away were up to a metre. So, 
uh, home of E.T. If you uh, fish the back of his house, in all honesty, you fish the back of his place that backs onto the water there in the hacking. I think he's in the hacking, not botany. No, he's in the hacking. But it seriously <laughs> is. Back at E.T.'s place, he'll tell you, that's some of the prime fishing ground for your Mulloway there. Is E.T. going to meet the boat show coming up? No. In Melbourne? No. Never mind, I'll keep moving on. No, no fuses, though. <laughs> Move on. Uh, Queensland, deep dropping off Crater Island on the Redfish Redmond. I've got to tell you about this, and you might not have seen this story, but awesome footage. They'll deep drop in, pulling up a nice, beautiful redfish, and we know what redfish are. You coral trout, your red amber, all the good stuff. Yep. A blue marlin decides to just chase this fish up 100 mile an hour, all lit up in its tremendous colours, and fly around the boat and zigzag and try and get this fish. What did they have? Drone footage of it or something? That's just off the phone, just standing over the side of the boat. But it was, yeah, it was bloody sensational to see. Uh, That's that's cool. I'd love to have a marlin chase one of my fish up. I will give you a greater in-depth report in Queensland because I... This afternoon, I'm off to Mission Beach. Well, I'm off to Cairns first, heading up to Palm Cove for a couple of days. Take the kids to uh, Hartley's Croc Farm out to Green Island because George has this obsession, uh, obsession with Cassius, which is the world's largest captive crocodile. It's like 5.8 metres long. Anyway, Mission Beach after that, Redmond. So you get a report next week for us? So I'll get a report. I'm gonna catch You're up fishing with, with Dennis? I'm going to catch up with Dennis for a day. You are? Not properly fishing. We're just going to go out and um, I think he wants to have a few beers. <laughs> so I'll be driving his boat. Um, but catch up with Dennis. So Sounds I'll give like you a proper a report. Trip if you're get, a, get a few barrows as well. Well, I was actually looking for um, to hire a boat with something a bit more than six horsepower. Found a 40 horsepower one. So I'll actually explore a few islands. So you're not and, going on the charter with him? Well, I'm going to go out for a day with him, but yep. then I want a bit of want a bit of a bit of flexibility. So the other thing I'm actually looking for this week is a portable fish finder because I'm, I'm going to bring one up because they don't have it if you have a um you know the high boats. So if you've yeah. got a recommendation out there for a uh, portable fish finder, send it through. Last one for Queensland, the Narang River with also plenty of yellowfin whiting, and they were all caught on prawns. Heading over to the west, fishing off Esperance. Uh, Esperance. Esperance. What did I say? Esperance. Esperance. Blackjack charters. Same thing. Let's what get are they catching? Let's get to the important stuff. They're catching everything. <laughs> Snapper, Morwong, Nanagai, and plenty more. Great to see the they're, charters over the West. They're the best place to, to catch Snapper in Australia, right? It's now. just the best place to catch everything. Some of you Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> yeah. the sna- are the salmon are still around? They well? are around the metro region too. So fishing into the uh, garters, whatnot, just casting your medals. Uh, if the West love their salmon more than anything. Do you, than do you need, do you reckon you go heavier to get the... the, the um, Length of cast or is thirty grams enough? Like how how heavy would you go if you're fishing? Well, what are you running off the beach here? I think we're running thirties and sixties, aren't we? Yeah. The only thing is because I like to fish with a a lighter rod because it's more fun. So I like to go lighter rod, like thirty to you know forty five gram lower. But if you do go heavier and you've got a for the sort of casting range, but I like to wade into the water. I'd be a little bit more nervous doing that in the West. I'd be nearly nervous and bloody in the South, the way it's going at the moment with the Sharks too. Uh, South Australia, Emu Bay is producing some massive King George Y. 53 centimetres of reports this week, Redmond. They are. 53. I didn't write it on social media. But you get your arm out and Patrick. it's like, not your forearm, but my forearm. These, <laughs> these It's like a, a small kingfish. My right's a lot thicker than my left, Patrick. It's... Uh, <laughs> It's unbelievable. Did you see during the week when I posted or last week? Yeah. I've got to show you. It's a brag moment. Yeah. 
Well, Good father moment with Finn catching yeah. a um that would have been in the that would have been fifty one centimeters fifty one Finn got his first one sorry I just had to do a little sun moment there anything I was, else I'm a proud dad Good to hear anything <laughs> else for South Australia don't know how to pronounce it but Palwari Bay also big King George Whiting to fifty centimeters you're from South Australia is that how I pronounce it Well I don't know how you how you've written it you look like I don't know what you've done there with Pal-Lary. the keyboard Yep King George Whiting. <laughs> Fishing very well. Good, Good blue spot flathead too. No, no I wrote it a couple of times. I'll tell you. We'll blame the Mac for correcting it if the, that's wrong. The other one was uh, Metro Regions, Brighton, Grange, and Henley Beach, the jetties. There's been some decent reports of squid as well with that uh, weather starting to warm up. But there's been a few people fishing there. So you've sort of got Point Hughes do- as well, bags of whiting too. Got to dodge the crowds there and a little bit. I'm over in South Australia in two weeks. Uh, where am I going? What's that place called? That's uh, North Bank Fishing Comp. Uh, you know, Chris, Wallaroo. Wallaroo. That's the place. I you mean, are heading Ned, to Wallaroo. Uh, flying in, Ned McHenry is going to be fortunate enough to pick us up. So I'll have a pretty good South Australia report there. And we if you're that. a King George Whiting, I'd be running because <laughs> I'm coming after you. <laughs> Tasmania, the little rivers around Georgetown are fishing really well. Trout to five pounds on the fly, which has been great. Now, reports when it comes to on the fly are a Guess when they talk about the actual fly that the anglers have been using because they are very territorial when it comes to their fly fishing in Redmond. Um, Victor- tie a bit of cotton on your line. Victoria, the barrels continue from Port Mac, which is, of course, Western Australia, but Aaron South Lux- Australia. Aaron, uh, South Australia, but Aaron likes to claim it as Victorian, right through to that Western Port region. Yeah, it is. It's a phenomenal fishery, what we have now. It started in, oh, I'm going to go with March. What are we now? October. Yes. Barrels have gone the whole way through. 100 kilo plus tuna. I'm not talking smaller. So 80 to 150. It is unbelievable. Is it not? No, it is. It is. Well, when you sent me that photo during the week, uh, it's a couple was, of K from the boat ramp. It's as big as I've. It's as big as I've seen that fish. It's a good fish, and like it was so. It was so, so tall. I know of fish that were caught out of uh, Port Mac. Port Mac. I know a fish that were caught at Portland. I know a fish that were caught at Bournable. I know fish caught at Apollo Bay, Port Phillip Bay heads, other side of Western Port to Inverloch. So they're everywhere. It is phenomenal. Yeah, the fishery yeah. is amazing. So it's uh, continuing. And how long is it going to fish for? Are we going to get it to Christmas? I reckon it will well, die clearly. off. I reckon you, the, you reckon the, it's the, barrels die will, off. the barrels will die off, in my opinion. I reckon we've got a month of it left. But then it's going to pick up with the schools. The schoolies will kick back in sort of. They'll do a bit of rotation policy. When, when, and then, <laughs> How far are they off? So they I haven't really in, gone. I've got to be in November. The schoolies, well, yeah, they have at the minute. So they're yeah, Portland okay. and that, and Port, all your, they're sort of, got, they're not there. Yep. So they are, that's only been the last couple of months. I was going to say, it hasn't been but, too long. No, it hasn't been long at all. But November, it'll switch on again somewhere. But the yep. schoolies will rock up again. And you'll see South Australia kicking too. Uh, some huge yellow belly, as uh, JC likes to report, coming in from Lake Boga. Love that. Which is great to see. And uh, Kangaroo Lake Redfin on soft plastics. And I was away during the week in Hall's Gap. And I managed to flick some plastics around. How'd you go? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Caught some uh, Redfin. Nearly the size of my finger. It was exciting. <laughs> that's pretty much about what I've got for you. <laughs> well, we'll better wrap it there. That is the whip around for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other.
You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating, and the great outdoors. For Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26th to 29th, on water, off water. Free tickets and information online. And for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers, with protection like no other. Now time for All Aboard for the Melbourne Boat Show Docklands, October 26 to 29, on water, off water, free tickets and information online. Our special guest this morning, Redmond, is none other than the, st- than the CEO, rather, uh, Steve Walker. Good morning, Steve. Yeah, hi guys, how's it going there? We're going very well, mate. Hey, thanks for coming on the show and talking about the boat show. We both love it. Now... We'd missed it because of COVID, and last year it was one of the great shows. Certainly, from you know, from from Aaron and I growing up, going, loved it. Going to the you know the exhibition centre, Jeff shared, and all of a sudden Melbourne goes outside. What was the feedback last year on the show? Yeah, yeah, good question. The feedback was generally positive, and one of the one of the key measures for us is the number of people that are, that turn up, and that that was a record number in in recent history. So there was well over thirty thousand people that. That got there last year. From an exhibitor's perspective, the feedback was unbelievable. They really um, had a good show. They, um, you know, things were good last year. There was there was that sense of anticipation that yes, we haven't had a boat show for three years. The market was pretty strong. There was a huge appetite. There was a good vibe. We dodged a bullet with the weather, and that was absolutely fantastic. The whole thing came together really well. And what we what 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 we've been saying is that we've really achieved what we would call you know proof of concept it really worked there at, at Docklands right in the heart of the city lots of eyeballs lots of lots of um, attention we had great support from from the from the city council from state government and it, and it clicked beautifully so we've obviously got high high expectations for this year and there's going to be some further growth and development in in this year's event from last year so yeah we're, we're quite excited now, you've been the CEO of the Boating Industry Association of Victoria for, I think, about five years. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. You've got a good memory. That's spot on. Now, there's been a few challenges in that time. So you take over in 18 and all of a sudden we have a pandemic two years later. Where is the industry at? Are you seeing, like, obviously, all of a sudden, outdoor goes bananas, you know, used cars goes berserk, the wait times for, for you know, Manufacturing of boats goes through the roof. The industry as a as a whole is it is it healthy? Where do you see the next twelve months? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I would definitely say it's healthy. It's it's been it's been resilient. Obviously, the the fear that we had early in twenty twenty that it was going to collapse and people were going to be sending us their keys and saying we can't we can't run the place <laughs> anymore that that just did not happen. We we. Not jokingly, but we sort of optimistically said, hey, if things are going to change here in society, lifestyle and leisure and things close to home are going to become popular. So, you know, you never know. We might we might come out of this okay. And that's that's precisely what happened. It, in fact, it, it, it happened um, well, well, way above and beyond what we would have ever imagined. And the, the biggest challenge became supply chain. People just couldn't, couldn't, couldn't get a hold of stock so as to meet the market. So supply chain became an issue. People had the jitters around, um, you know, attending events and some exhibitors were a bit nervous about going to boat shows and what have you, but that, that we got over that reasonably quickly. But really supply chain became the big issue. So at the moment, um, you know, a year or so past that point where, 
where supply was at its lowest and demand was at its highest, it's 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 tipped back the other way a little bit. And for those going to a boat show this year, I would say there's going to be some real some real um you know real value there for for people looking for that first boat or people looking for that next boat. So I think the market has tipped a little bit in the favour of the buyer. Now our our exhibitors are going to have great product, great quality. It's going to be an amazing display. So it's going to be something for everybody. But I think it's I think the market's just tipped that little bit and um it's going to be good for good for buyers. But um yeah the industry's been amazing guys. It's been, you know, over these last couple of years, you know, a lot of our members have had uh you know, not enough staff, not enough um, labour, not enough resource, not enough apprentices, not enough mechanics, etc. But they've got through, and again, they've shown resilience and um, ability to, to to meet the market. So, our markets, the industry's it's a strong industry. So, the decision to take the the boat show outdoors was that based primarily on the 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 nervous around uh, the nervousness around an enclosed facility and COVID. When that was first, you know, discussed, not not really. the the main The main reason, and I don't want to talk outside commercial in confidence, but the cost of an indoor venue to provide, you know, twenty five to thirty thousand square meters of high quality space, it's an enormous cost. Um, the waterfront space is a little bit more attractive from an affordability perspective, so exhibitors can. Um, have a have their space for a slightly better, well, quite a quite a, a better price, and it makes it attractive from that perspective. So that's one factor, and certainly Another people fact, attending as well. That's the other thing. It's, it's a game. well, attend, attending became easier because it was more visible, more accessible, and more more parkings better <laughs> there. Yeah. Um, and being outdoor um, was another factor was it's conducive with what we do, which is boating, you know, fishing, boating, cruising, skiing, sailing, whatever it is. It's, it's an outdoor pursuit. So an outdoor event seemed, seemed, um, seemed to fit, but also having boats on the water and having that lifestyle element. People can you know, see the boats on the water, get a feel for it. They can sit on the waterfront, have a coffee, contemplate their boating lifestyle. Will we, won't we? Which one will we get? When will we get it? Let's go and talk to a dealer. Let's have a think about it. It really lent itself to that lifestyle and, you know, what's our family future look like over the next, you know, <laughs> two or three or ten summers, you know. And, um, yeah, I think outdoors worked well from that perspective. But, you know, it was a combination of factors and um, we were happy with how it played out and hopefully this year it'll be even better again. You touched on it briefly before about people being a little bit hesitant and whatnot, uh, being the first outdoor show, but I'm hearing rumours this year that there's, there's just so many more people that are coming to attend to the show. The on-water experience has expanded so much further. That was a game changer for Victoria. Yes, it was. Well, Never being able to actually... Stand on a boat. <laughs> when you, you haven't purchased and you can compare one to the other right next to each other. We just hadn't had that opportunity. No. It's, it's been well, brilliant. And this year is going to be bigger and better, isn't it, Steve? It's a lot more people attending the actual show being, I guess, like, for example, your Geelong Marine World, your Melbourne Marine Centres and the likes, putting all these boats on water, bigger and better than last year. Yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Last year we had four almost full fingers. This year it's going to be five and it's oversubscribed. We've got a little bit of a waiting list. Yeah, so, <laughs> Which is healthy, on, on, yes. Yeah, it is for sure. So on water is going to be bigger. On the on the land, on the waterfront, there's um, probably a 30% increase in space take-up by exhibitors, but We've also got some additional features. So 
Um, we've got we've got this um, introductory feature, the rig rundown, hooked up rig rundown. So we're going to have ten or so uh, tricked up aftermarket boats um, on display as a result of a sort of competition that's been that's been put together. That's something that people won't have seen before at a Melbourne boat show. We've got the uh, the super tank this year. That's that's back for the first time in many years, and that's funnily enough, I, I got a text over the weekend. I was I was watching watching some sport and I got a text and um, said, oh, there's this this super tank up here at the Denny Ute muster. It's amazing. We should get it for the boat show. And I text back saying, yep, we've got it. It'll be there. Don't worry. We've got Retail Island. Moose Marina put together this amazing Retail Island. So there'll be more, you know, you know, um, electronics and all, all the latest gadgets and gizmos, everything that uh, a boater would want will be on Retail Island. And not so much for this audience, um, assault guide audience, but for for general audience, um, the heritage and wooden boat precinct. We're going to have tall ships on display. You can sail in a tall ship. You can get on the steam tug waddle. You can look how wooden boats are built and and and, and join in and activate. You can see a, a great display of wooden boats. So you know something for everybody. Um, the great Rob great. Cumming will be very happy with that because he is a certainly an enthusiast when it comes to. Uh, the older relics of of wooden construction and shipbuilding. He's got a beautiful yeah. old. Uh, I forget the name of it, um, but it's an old race boat. Uh, no, so he'll probably, be very happy. 16, obviously, from the sixteen twenties or something. Well, no, Rob. Well, we know him as uh, Northbank, and and Harry's obviously purchased Northbank. Northbank boats will, will be at the boat show, but he'll be very happy about that. I just want to take you back to to retail on because that was probably one of the things that I, I like the fact that you've you've clearly looked at all right. How did the show go? How can we continue to improve it? And you've you've continued to to look beyond what you know you first started with. It's not just oh this is this is good enough and we'll go from here. It's like how can we grow it? I think that's a great thing to to do, Steve. Yeah, well, thanks. And not not only grow it, but people want to see something they haven't seen before. If they're going to go out for the for the day for the fa- with the family, go out for the morning, the afternoon. They want to see something different, something new. So that's why we've, we've brought in the rig rundown, the retail island, the heritage area, super tank, etc. But um, yeah, not 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 only something new, but something interesting. And we've got a huge emphasis also on introducing new people to boating. Now the diehards are going to rock up to the Melbourne Boat Show no matter what. But to to introduce new people and to give them a taste of boating, we've got a lot of you know, on stage entertainment. I know you guys will be on stage at some stage. We'll have we'll have Merv Hughes up, up there on the Saturday and Sunday talking about his latest exploits. Um, you know, Lee Rayner, we're gonna have a cooking to Adam De Silva who's an unbelievable chef. Um, but the stage also has a welcome to boating hub aspect. So three or four times each day on the weekend and on Friday, there'll be a, a 40 minute session where people that are new to boating get a full update on all the safety stuff, access to the water, all the equipment that they need, life jacket information, EPIRBs, weather charts, you know, learning about boating so that when they go to make the decision that, you know, yes, this boating lifestyle is for our family, they'll be clued up on all this um, other. We call it edutainment and infotainment in relation to boating. So um, that's, that's another big feature as well and will help us get you know more and more people uh, on board. Well, we can't wait for it. The event schedule is Thursday the 26th, 3 p.m. till 6 p.m. is the launch. Friday, 10 a.m. till 6 p.m. trading. And then the Saturday, Sunday, the weekend. So it kicks off 10 a.m. on the Saturday right through to 7 p.m. in the afternoon and finishing up 
10 a.m. Sunday right through till 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Going to be an absolute cracker, Steve. We can't wait for it. Thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. Thanks, Aaron. Steve Walker, our special guest this morning. That was All Aboard for the Melbourne Boat Show, Docklands, October 26 to 29, on water, off water, free tickets and information online. You're listening to Real Adventures, talking all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. For Melbourne Boat Show, Docklands, October 26th to 29th, on water, off water, free tickets and information online. And for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive sea covers, with protection like no other. Welcome back to Real Adventures for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. I'm heading up north, Redmond, heading up to Mission Beach, up to Cairns. So we're on the, we're on the old uh, teams next week. We are. We're we on are, teams. Right. I'll look forward Not to that I haven't prioritised the show above the, ho- the holiday, mm-hmm. the getaway, mm-hmm. but I have. Um, <laughs> so just working out the inventory at the moment, because of... Once your kids are above, what is it, two, they have to have a seat. So it costs you a fortune in flights, but it gives you extra... Is it above two? Something like that. gives you extra seat room. So what I've done is I've got the big rod tube. I'm just working through what to, to bring now. A couple of barrel rods. Do you need anything for me? A couple of casting rods. Do you need anything to take up? I think I gave you that last. No, I've got everything I need. Gave you. Yeah, I've got everything on that front. Um, oh, I reckon I'll take a, um, a jigging stick with a Talica 8 for... You know, if there's any chance we get them some Spanish yep. mackerel jigging or potentially uh, the GTs up there. They're micro jigs. Bring, so good point, bring sure. the micro jigs. The one thing oh, that I'd, so I'm hiring a boat, so I'm going to go out with Dennis Daly for a day and then hiring a boat, but I've got to try and get a portable fish finder. I actually don't know if they're any good, to be, to be I've frank. Got, I don't know nothing about Honestly, I don't know nothing about it. You, I can't see it being any good. Well, I, I just want it for depth. And if, for depth. lo and behold, depth it could, you'll get. Yeah, lo and behold, it could find your school. But if you could give you structure, then you, that sort of gives yourself a half a chance. I'll do a bit of research for you. I've so seen them. I've seen kayakers use them. So what do you just chuck a transducer over the side? It's like a transducer on a pole, and you put it over the side, and on the top of that pole is basically the um, the unit itself, mm. the screen. If you've got one or you've used one, let me please. Get in touch yeah. through our I've Real Adventures. No knowledge on it. Real Adventures socials, and you can follow us on our at Real Adventures Show on Facebook or on Instagram because it is one of those things. It's like you want to be able to see what's under the water. This doesn't. This hopefully helps. You're fishing with Queensland, that. just drop a jig in and catch a red emperor. It's hey, not, it's not hard. <laughs> um, talk to me about leading up the tuna as they come up to the boat. This is one of the so the you can fight tip. you can fight a fish for three hours, yep. and it can be the most memorable thing of your life. For the wrong reasons, because you bring it up and then all of a sudden you hook it on the bottom of the boat or you rub the line over the bottom of the hull Yep, and gone. You've lost a fish of a lifetime. We'll turn it into the tip then. Happy with that? Yep. Red's tip. Red's review for Razorback 4x4, Australia's best four-wheel drive seat covers with protection like no other. Righto, so leading a fish is probably the most crucial part and it's probably the bit that I sort of... I don't know, it's my most exciting piece of fishing because quite often I let other people catch fish. I like driving the boat and whatnot, but when you grab that leader, the adrenaline kicks in. Absolutely. The old ticket doesn't work real well for me, so I end up spewing over the side. Do you, side, have, do you have a glove on when you've got... See, I should be wearing gloves. You're saying that right now because I've got Band-Aids <laughs> on my hand, literally from leader. So That's exactly right. Uh, basically, you should have gloves on. I've got bruises all on my hand from not wearing gloves. It's a... 
it's a bit of a bit of a joke. Uh, basically, when when you lead a few fish up, the bruises up your forearm too. You get real sore where your line sits because you're wrapping around. Are you wrapping around? around my hands? Yeah, but quite often. Are you worried I, the thing that's going to take off and then oh, you're going to be out of the shit boat? Shit myself all the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, once I grab that line, I don't let go. Yeah. The only time I let go is basically physically can't hold it. But no, I got a technique. Or not myself got a technique. You use the correct technique to wind to to hold the line to hold the line. So how, what you're doing is you're actually starting with your hand expanded out. So you expand your fingers all the way out, like yes. you're holding your hands up for twinkle twinkle little star. Yep. And then as you grab the line, you wrap it around, keeping your hand nice and wide. And then when you get your wrap on it, then you close your hand. So when you want to let the fish go, you... So you keep your hand wide. If the fish wants to run, you then let tuck your hand in close, so all your fingers wrap them in as close as you can, and the line falls off that thicker bit of the, bit of the hand that was then at the widest, so where your fingers are. So, gotcha. so it, that's your safety mechanism. That's your safety some, mechanism. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that. Go. So that's how I you always wondered it. that. Yeah, so you're wrapping with your hands open. You'll always see me swing my arms and wrap. But with the tuna, it's not like a marlin where you're constantly trying to take up slack line. So the marlin jump and they move and you're taking up slack line. With the tuna, it's more about a firm grab. You could even just use the technique of pulling to your hip. So you just grab it and turn once, pull it to your hip. Grab it with your other hand, turn once, pull it to your hip. And you're just constantly doing that on the leader. But basically what I mean by when you grab the leader, don't let go is as soon as that wind-on comes to the rod, I've got about 12 foot of wind-on roughly, yep. that is pretty much game over for that fish in my opinion. So the wind should be downside of you. So you should be pushing into the side of your boat so you're getting pushed downwind. So the reason that is, is if the fish is on the ocean, the wind side of the boat, you're drifting away from the fish. So you're not going to get the fish, isn't going to go under your boat. Where if you had the wind hitting your backside, hitting you in the back when you're leading the fish, it's going to push you over the top of the fish and you're going to lose that fish because the wind, the fish is going under your boat, it's gone. Mm. So you want to make sure you're downwind of the fish and you're leading up as you go. Now, uh, another crucial thing is I work as a team. So I don't try and do everything. Uh, as long as I, as I think I know everything, but I don't try and do everything. But basically what I mean by that, just an example with Gibber with the two of us, we handle this with ease. So the fish comes up, right? I said to Gibber, all right, the fish is coming. I knock the boat out of gear. Do you always bring the fish up on the side that you're steering from? Yes, so from the driver's side all yep. the time so you yep. can see. The only time that I'll do it, and I did it a couple times this year, when the fish are running on the top and you can't get them down deep to lead them up, I actually then cheat and follow it around the back if I can't, only if I can't get it up that way. Otherwise, it's that's another whole explanation. We'll go into that some other time. But going back to what I was saying with Gibber, just to give you an example how we work together was, I fish come up, I go, Gib, step back. Daniel steps back on the back of the boat. I grab the leader and I start leading it up. And I say, make sure you wind the slack. So I don't want a big loop of line hanging into the boat because if that gets wrapped around your leg and the fish takes off, you're in all sorts of strife. Yes, so basically, Gibber, um, Gibber keeps that winding, so he keeps that tension coming in. And as soon as I get towards about a metre meter off that fish and for that last wrap, I say, grab the gaff. I've got the gaffs in the rod holder. He grabs the gaff, he comes over, and he just puts the gaff in the head of the fish. And it's as relaxed as you'll get it. It's no screaming, hurry up, grab this, grab that. Yeah. It's literally, it's coming up, it's coming Calmness up. Calmness with a fish yep. of a lifetime. You screaming doesn't make it any easier on the person that's swinging. Like, you'll do what he did last time and yeah. with a school tuner and 
the gaff was back to front. So <laughs> the the the, uh, the uh, flat bit doesn't go in as easy as the pointy bit, Pat. A lot harder. A lot harder. harder At least you've got an extraordinary amount of force. He got a good fight out of it for the next twenty minutes, but (laughs) (laughs) so just patience. Lead that fish up. Once you grab the once that wind on gets the rod, it's going. It's grab that leader, and that's where you get into your work. And you pull that fish in. He winds the slacking. Take your time. It might take you ten minutes on that leader in your hand to get it up. Try not to let go. And what he'll do is he'll pinwheel. He'll go under the boat. And he'll come back out the other side. He'll go under, yeah. and he'll come back out. And you just reach out with your hands and keep him away from the hull. I've probably taken too much time. Quick, Pat. You, you have, yeah. And that is the show, Redmond. That's Beautiful work. We'll see you next week. We hope you've enjoyed Real Adventures this morning. We'll do it all again next Saturday. That was Red's review for Razorback 4x4. There's nothing like Razorback 4x4.